Hello and welcome to Not A Buffalo, the show where we discuss the science and technology that will save the world. My name's Ben, Lord of the Geranian Throne, and joining me is Jack. He once sat on a throne and was then sternly asked to leave. Jack, what's the crack? The crack? What crack? I've adopted the Irish way of saying how are you or what's the news or what's the gossip. We say what's the crack. Oh, oh that's fun. But we say, um, we, we spell crack C-R-A-I-C because it's Irish. Because I thought crack was... Yeah, no, that's not PG. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm cracking. Everything's cracking on fine here. It's, it's all good. See, if you were Irish, if you were answering in Irish, you'd say, "Yeah, grand. How are you? Or any crack with you? You don't have to do the accent." To the oh, good. I'm grand. Perfect. <laughs> I'm grand. I'm grand. Have you got some interesting stories for us this week? Uh, I have. T- so I have like a science one, which is like a really nice, slightly niche science one. Um, and I have one which is definitely not about science, but it's so lovely. Why don't you start off uh, with with the, the science one then? With the science? Okay. Okay, so science-y one. They found, a new, uh, they found a new ion deep in space, which they thought probably would have um, chemistried away by, uh, by this time. So it's the helium hydride ion, um, which is an early ion which is in the history of the universe because... It's made up of entirely helium and hydrogen, which are very light elements. But it's also extremely reactive. So if it's, say, on Earth, it's probably just going to react with something. and uh, Like, it's really super reactive. Like It's like Nigel Farage, but chemistry. It's like Nigel Farage, but chemistry. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And it lives in a planetary nebula, which I'm, I'm sure no one, would, no one would want to send Nigel Farage to a planetary nebula. Because they're a good long way him. away. I, oh, I don't know. I think people would miss him. Uh, I think the BBC would probably miss him. I mean, what else would they actually put on the news? The Green Party? Heaven forbid. <laughs> yeah, that, that party that won seats in Parliament. Why would you put them on? <laughs> exactly. This is very political for a science podcast today, isn't it? Yes, I'm sorry. Back, back to the ion. Ion. Yeah, so it's positively charged. And they found it for the first time, like, this month in a planetary nebula they thought it would have sort of have all gone but yeah so that's that's the fun thing that happened oh also they did this from a plane which is kind of cool so they they have like so you know like they have space telescopes because there's less stuff in the way of space and your telescope if your telescope is in space yes yeah so they have space telescopes and they have ground telescopes and space telescopes are really good at looking at stuff but not so good at getting updated because once something's in space it's an awful it's an awful hassle to send up an engineer yeah whereas the ground telescopes are all like really easy to well relatively easy to upgrade because they're on the planet that the en- most engineers are on so they sort of did a halfway house and they've developed this thing called Sophia, which is uh, a collaboration between nasa and a german aerospace engineering company and it's basically a telescope in a plane with all modular components that can be switched in and out really easily and upgraded so it runs on like the latest tech but it's also got less stuff between it and the stuff in space than a telescope that's closer to the ground because the stuff in between you know like atmosphere i'm just imagining an observatory with wings is that what it looks like like literally a dome with a massive telescope sticking out of it and then just little wings on the side not really it looks like a regular plane really it's called uh sophia i think and it just looks it looks really cool <laughs> i saw a couple of diagrams of it i've not seen an actual picture of it i've only seen blueprints and diagrams because i'm you know that's the kind of that's the kind of place i get my news <laughs> 
but yeah it's uh, it's kind of awesome i think it was a german astrophysicist as well who discovered this so that's a uh, another good win for german science so what's the implication of of discovering this ion that should have disappeared 14 billion years ago i guess that planetary nebulas are a lot more boring than we thought because like that means there's not that much chemistry going on there it might be i'm not sure about this but it might be one of those times where they uh, they're just looking back a long way in the history of the universe by looking very far away from us because of you know that pesky limit of light speed of travel it does just look like a regular plane if you google sophia plane you can see it um it's got like an open bit at the side <laughs> which i guess is what the telescope is looking out of okay i'm gonna add that to our show notes to remind us to add a picture of sophia the plane yeah to the show notes she is my favorite plane now <laughs> she sounds like a great plane jack oh, i love planes very good so yeah that that's my first that was my first and only science related story my other story is very non-science but so happy it's such a happy story well this is great because i have a story that is also not science related but links Ooh, like very it. well back to our previous episode i don't remember our previous episode do you remember it had something to do with Liechtenstein? not really how do you not remember it, it was only two weeks ago i've slept since then like twice do you do you subscribe to attic theory that your brain can only hold so much and you push out what you don't need maybe i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> anyway in our previous episode mm. we spent a lot of time talking about Liechtenstein. And this story concerns uh, two members of the European nobility in the late 19th century. Princess Pauline von Metternich of Austria oh. and Russian Countess Anastasia Kilmanzeg. I love everything about European history now. <laughs> yeah, I love her name. Countess Kilmanzeg. I'm not sure if that pronounced it correctly. I'm probably not. It doesn't matter. It's still great. <laughs> but basically, the story goes that they uh, they had a disagreement um they were they were both heavily involved in the upcoming vienna musical and theatrical exhibition <laughs> and they had a disagreement over flower arrangements and so they did the only thing that seemed sensible to the two of them because they got quite into a heated argument and that was they decided to have a duel okay they decided they couldn't have the duel in vienna for some reason so they both went to vaduz which is the capital of Liechtenstein, as we learned in the last episode and uh, mm. decided to duel there we did learn that. But then there was a surgeon who said that they shouldn't duel with their clothes on because if they get stabbed through their clothes, then the, the rapier will push the clothes, the dirty clothes into the wound and the wound will likely become infected. And so they dueled topless over flower arrangements in the capital of Liechtenstein. They are both women. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they're, bo <laughs> they're both women. Apparently not as unusual as uh, as you might expect. But yeah, sorry, it was uh, Princess Pauline von Metternich of Austria and Russian Countess Anastasia Kilmanzeg. So yeah, both both women. Wow. The Princess of Austria lived to the ripe old age of 85. Both of them, I should say, survived the duel with, with minor scratches. I believe it was the Austrian who won by drawing first blood. But wow. uh, they, uh, the Austrian lady lived until... She was 85, but the, the countess from Russia was unfortunately executed in the Bolshevik uprising uh, just a few years later. Jeez, Bolsheviks happen, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So when when people tell you to like treat a girl like a princess, you execute them in a socialist uprising, do you think you're breaking contract there? Only if you assume that by treat like a princess, you only have positive connotations from that. But y you presumably are still treating them by a princess by declaring them a member of the the bourgeoisie aristocracy that need to be executed 
just mm. not the way I think the original idea was intended of being treated like a princess. But also, princesses weren't treated that well throughout history. I mean, a lot of the time yeah. they were sold for political <laughs> marriages, which isn't yeah. really isn't what I think most people mean when you say get treated like a princess. Mm, it does se- it does seem somehow wrong, doesn't it? Like not in keeping with the spirit. Yeah. This is why this is why AIs will never be any good at treating women like princesses. That was also a reference to our our previous podcast <laughs> because of the the law thing in that country called Estonia. See, you do remember some of it. I think it's once you once you sort of like poke at one bit of it, it all sort of gets pulled back in. You know, it's like collecting a fishing net. You know, you it's you don't know it's there, and then you scoop it out, and you like, and then you're suddenly tangled in a load a web of the path. I have a story on fishing nets, actually. If we want to to move on, what a segue! <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was just yeah, waiting. Let's do this. No, Jack, go talk about fishing nets at some point. So I'll just save this story <laughs> yeah. very quickly, actually. So ocean plastic is obviously a huge issue at the moment and it's it's killing the planet essentially. And one of the big problems is fishing nets that get lost in storms or get swung overboard or they simply can't lift them up because of the amount of fish in them. And so they trail around the ocean and uh, and fish get trapped in them. And it's a process called ghost fishing apparently where the, these nets that are basically floating around still catch fish. But they found a way of attaching little microtransponders to them so they can track them down and recover them. And, uh, and save the fish ah. from getting caught. So yeah, there you go. A ni- nice, good news story about fighting ocean plastic that segued nicely from, from fishing stories. Yeah, I like fighting ocean plastic. It's something... It's incredible the amount of microplastics they're finding everywhere now. Just Oh, it's terrifying, isn't yeah. it? You're like... <laughs> There's even something I was reading where because, my, because plankton is now eating the plastic it's and then they die and... Uh, the the plastic or it floats to the top of the the ocean and the it's causing more carbon to be released into the the plastic to stay in the in the ocean and and it's just all all bad all bad we we have done so many bad things this planet like this is but microplastics are by far one of the worst <laughs> the eu have banned them haven't they i think i remember reading that they've banned single use plastics oh i thought they banned microplastics as well well microplastics is simply plastics that have been broken down by being discarded so by banning single-use plastics they will hopefully reduce the amount of microplastics that get created uh, no no i'm yeah you're right i'm thinking of the bead things in uh shower yes, gels microbeads they have bad microbeads not microplastics yeah we got there we got there but that was a uh, given that as a slight depressing story do you have your uh, lovely story that you wanted to talk to us about talk to us talk to me and the audience i guess the, i guess it's us yeah, I I think of you as my audience. <laughs> so yeah, my my story is just it's one word and you may have already heard of it, but it's it's the one word is chitan. Oh yes, I saw this on the last week yeah. with John Oliver. There you go. Yeah. It's so it's such a happy story, isn't it's it? Lovely. <laughs> it's lovely. lovely. Do you want to ex- explain who chitan is to the to the audience? Okay, so uh there's a lot of otters involved in this. I love there, is, there is a town in southwest Japan, which is called Shinjoku, I think. No, Susaki. The other otter is called Shinjoku. Oh, okay. I thought it was Shinjuku was the, the town. No, the, the otter is called Shinjoku and the town uh, is called Susaki. town is called Susaki. This is, this is why they need publicity. Because <laughs> they... <laughs> they're better known by the otter. Yeah, they did have an official otter which was a real otter and they had an otter mascot as well this official real otter i don't know how i'm going to explain this about pictures and john Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but the official lot the official living real otter got associated with a secondary mascot for the city called chitan and this secondary mascot chitan has uh, started <laughs> started displaying what some might describe as uh, aggressive tendencies you could say that yeah wielding baseball bats and uh, and things like that and the city has gone out of its way to distance itself from the real otter in an official statement in order to distance itself from the mascot of that real otter so that they only now have their real mascot which is called ben shinjuku, shinjuku that thing i think we both said something different there which is different to what we were saying before but never mind yeah i'm sure it'll be fine but yeah so that's that shitan the great thing about shitan is its twitter feed Oh, yes. And its Twitter feed is so beautiful. It does these little videos. Sometimes they're GIFs. Sometimes they're proper videos. They are works of genius in four seconds. If Vines had had Chitan, they would never have gone bust. (laughs) They are. It's so good. I like that the Twitter's in English. Is it translated or do they do it? I don't know. But yeah, Chitan, he's, he's wonderful. He occasionally terrorizes tourists. Yes, I've seen that. As, yeah. as part of John Oliver's show covering Chitan, they made a mascot called Chai John and sent it to Japan. And the city where Chitan lives has officially taken ownership of Chai John and it's now the new best friend of the city's actual official mascot. Shinjin. Shin- yeah, Sinjin. We'll call him Sinjin. We'll well, I, I probably had this completely wrong, but as I understand Japanese naming conventions and honorifics, Kun is just what you'd say uh, to someone you have affection for. So it's kind of like a friendly term that you'd use at the end. And you put the family name at the beginning, which is Shin. So actually, the mascot's name is just Joe. Because Shin, Joe, Kun. <laughs> so you can call so the mascot we, okay, Joe. So we can just call him Joe. <laughs> yeah exactly okay cool. I, I, i'm okay with this to all the japanese people that i've horrifically offended by getting their culture completely wrong i i truly am terribly sorry and uh, please do correct me if uh, if i did get but that only wrong. we only want to hear your corrections if you're also fairly sure that your correction is wrong so if you still have doubt then write in if you don't have doubt and you're absolutely sure that you know the correct way to do this we're not interested <laughs> Yes, we want to add to the misinformation and the fake news Ex- and the alternative exactly. facts and the new truths. Yeah. Well, I think I don't really have a good segue here, but I think we should go from town mascots to fringe presidential candidates. Have you heard of a man called Andrew Yang? No, but this is going to be good, isn't it? So he is um, he's running for the Democratic nomination at the moment. He's, he's definitely you know, not that well known, but his platform essentially is that automation is the country's greatest threat. So he's he's actually started attracting fairly big crowds now. Got about five hundred people attending uh, some of his um, some of his campaign speeches now, and he's got a lot of people like engineers and uh, and people from the Reddit community um, are, are tend to be following him because he talks a lot about this. Uh, engineers and the Redneck community, Reddit community, not Redneck community. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Just to give you an example of the kind of audience he has, his. Staff has primed the crowd to respond, telling us to cheer math when he talks numbers. Like literally, what? the crowd, the crowd <laughs> chants maths whenever he starts talking about numbers. I, okay, but this is and this is my favorite fact from his story. So as I said, he's uh, he's very concerned about automation and the threat it's going to pose to American jobs. So he's got this idea to give every American a thousand dollars a month. 
which is a really common idea in Europe, particularly Nordic basic countries. Basic income, isn't it? Yeah, universal basic income, uh, which has been trialled in, I think it's been trialled in New Zealand. It's definitely been trialled in Finland. You know why it didn't work, Jack? Because they didn't have the right name. Ah. Because Andrew Yang has got a much better name for it. He calls it a freedom dividend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love America. This is amazing. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, you can't give people free money in America in a sophisticated freedom (laughs) you can give them freedom you can't give them a sophisticated social welfare system because that's that's communism and that's terrible but you can give them freedom dividend oh yeah 100 yeah bernie sanders move over yeah i think i mean to be fair i don't know (laughs) anything else and i think as as responsible podcasters podcasters we should say podcasters You you should look into your candidates and your preferred candidate. In fact, all of the candidates, and find out where they stand on a multitude of issues, and only vote for the ones that you feel will do a good job all around. And don't just vote for someone because they want to give you a thousand dollars a month, which they probably won't be able to. Because uh, even if you call it freedom dividend, I imagine there's a lot of people who are going to go that's socialism and communism, and they don't want it. Nah, just vote for the guy with the freedom dividend. <laughs> this sounds great. I can't see how this could possibly go wrong. I mean, he seems to be of, he's, he's certainly of Asian heritage, judging from the surname and the, the, the pictures of him. So I imagine that's going to be held pretty hard against him. I mean, it took a lot for them to get an African-American into into power. I have another American political story, which is back to the good news. Well, actually, Andrew Yang is good news, and I hope he does very well, because he's clearly more aware of issues and has actually sensible suggestions to tackle them. Um, just And actually the- media savvy. <laughs> and actually media savvy, yes. But my other story was that uh, this isn't a presidential candidate, but obviously we have the Senate elections as well. And uh, a man called Mark Kelly is going to be running for the US Senate in Arizona. Does that name ring a bell to you? The Jack? astronaut. Yes, the astronaut is running for Senate. Yes. And I'm so happy. Well, we need to get into a Twitter feud with him. Why? I don't know. Then it's going to be harder when he's, when he's senitent. Senator, Senate, in the Senate, like a like senator. president, but in the Senate. When he's a senator, senator. yeah, senator. There you go. <laughs> I, I do like the senitent though. That's like a great word for describing how someone gets so warped and corrupted by being in politics that they become senator instead of senator. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it should be a word. Is it a word? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know, but if it's not trademarked, it's our word. We're going to get that into the Oxford Dictionary Word of the Year. How would you spell yeah, it? Yeah, like senescence, I guess. Senitent. No, did you mean sentient, senate, sentient, or sutton? Oh, wait, no. It has something to do with cardiovascular risk in older women. I guess he's probably clearer of that, then. Being a bloke. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I don't have time right now to read all of this, but if people want to know what senitent <laughs> is... Okay, so we can't trademark senitent. <laughs> Have you heard of the insurance company AXA? Because apparently they chose that name because almost every single language around the world can say it. Oh, that's kind of interesting. And no one else will look at it. Like Apparently in no language will they look at it and go AXA or AXA or something. They'll, they'll all know, oh yeah, AXA is just the default guess for most people, for almost every... I know XKCD did something similar with this. They uh, Randall Monroe, who owns it and set it up, he uh, just randomly generated four letter sequences until he got an unpronounceable string of letters that you'd have to pronounce each letter as you go for, through it i think he just wanted something that would had no phonetic pronunciation in english Why? that is a great question so i should be able to answer it better <laughs> but i can't ah, the table of turn because <laughs> you know who you, you know who loves horses is mongolians and you know where mongolians live near <laughs> the gobi desert 
<laughs> and you know what's in the Gobi Desert now is China's Mars base simulator. Of course it is. Uh, when I first, I, I have to admit, when I first started reading this article, I thought that they they created this kind of training facility to make teenage astronauts that they were going to send to Mars, but they had to start training them as teenagers. It's just an education facility that's forty miles from anywhere, forty kilometers, sorry, from any other town or anywhere else. But apparently, it's a, a place where teenagers go and hang out and learn what it's like to be astronauts. And presumably, some of them will go on and apply to be astronauts. It's interesting that they have it for teenagers. I never really, I'd never really put two and two together and thought, oh yeah, you should train teenagers to do this kind of job. But of course, you kind of have to, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it's going to take decades of training and then decades whilst you're actually on, well, five years, I think, on the spaceship at the current speeds. And then obviously, it's probably a one-way trip. So you're going to be stuck there on Mars. I thought it was a two-year journey if you go from the the shortest distance between Mars and Earth. And it's then like a year there and then a year, two years back. I thought fi- I saw five years as the, the estimated uh, journey time, but I... That's crazy. May, maybe they can do it in two years based on the kind of spaceship. I mean, it's probably been a, a while since I saw the, the five-year thing. So I imagine technology, especially with Elon Musk on the case, has probably gotten a bit better since then. Yeah, I mean, I am also basically getting those figures from the Martian. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a very scientifically accurate book and film, though, wasn't it? It was really good. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. I remember seeing a video of a guy who was trying to debunk the film and say why they weren't doing science right, but couldn't. So he was very impressed. And then he looked at Avengers Endgame later on and was just like, oh God, all the science, just basically dismissing things as science. I'm not going to go into any spoilers, by the way. You, you can't really you can't really go into a superhero movie and be like, oh yeah, let me just bring in some science here. You kind of have to dock your science at the door when you're watching a superhero movie. I have to say, I think they did it well in that they didn't try and explain the science too much. They just kind of went, yes, science, and kind of, if we just use the right words... Because they have done other films in the Marvel Universe where they have just tried to explain the science too much, and they just gone, that that's not how any of that works. You're just putting the word quantum in front of everything, and it doesn't make any sense. So, do you have any more stories for us, Jack? No, I, I only brought along two stories today. One of them science, one of them Cheetan. I, I have a couple more I wanted to mention. Um... For all of those out there who want to see what a, the day in the life of a spy is, the CIA have now, CIA, yeah, have now set up their Instagram account, and they've taken a picture of the director's desk, so you can see their wig and their notebook with secrets in it, and their top secret pulp bag, and their badge that they haven't had an updated photo in thirty-five years. But yeah, if you want to follow the CIA on Instagram, now you can. That's that's a really odd story. Why 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 are they joining Instagram now? Apparently, it's a, a recruitment tool. Like they want to make the public more aware of what the CIA does. Except they're obviously not going to actually show any of what they really do. Anyway, we we should probably just wrap it up there. Thank you very much for listening. Please subscribe to the show to never miss an episode and rate and review us wherever you have the power to do so. If you'd like to get in touch, we are at not a buffalo pod on twitter not a buffalo podcast on facebook or contact us through our website not a buffalo dot wordpress dot com mm-hmm.